<laughs> I like this a lot. Giga Boys, I'm your host Eli Halpern. And I'm Mike Eaton. And today we have a very special guest. It's Hans Kim. Hey, what's up, boys? It's good to be here. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thanks so for glad having to have me. You. Man, so uh, you've been on quite the run lately, dude. Yeah. yeah you've been killing it. The private yeah. jet life. Joe Rogan, just suck his dick. Yeah, dude, I wish. I can't even get to it. I've, <laughs> I've just been fighting people, like, let me suck that man. <laughs> just you get just close triangle to me. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he must have an incredible ground game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's holding me down and making me open for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking rules, dude. Uh, as a fat person, I have to ask, how was the steak on the plane? It's great. Yeah? Yeah. It's like food. I mean, I never... <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just sustenance, nutrition. Okay. It's fun. You know, it's like a positive thing in your mouth. It goes inside you. <laughs> I've never had a food question backfire like this before. <laughs> it made me more sad than when I do nothing. I'm autistic. <laughs> Fucking rules. This oh. is good for humans. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Walk me through flying in a private jet. So I take an Uber to the uh, little airport and then you walk in and then you go in through the opening and then like you walk through a building and then you're on the tarmac. And the plane's right there. Couldn't be closer. That's so cool. And you walk on the plane, wait for Joe Rogan to come. I get there 30 minutes early. He comes. And we just go, whoop, right up. No waiting, no TSA, no shoes off, laptop and bag, nothing. Just right on a plane and in the air. Just That's like so it should cool. be. So you could bring a gun on a private plane. Yeah. That was going to be my question, too. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so fun. Just see how many guns I can bring on. Oh, yeah. That so convenient. I mean, why is convenience so expensive? That, that, that that's yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. Yeah, I guess uh, it's all that gas for one plane for seven people, as opposed to like two hundred. Then you can worth spread it. Spread the cost out. <laughs> yeah, that that's fucking awesome. Uh, Who else was in the plane? Um, Tony, Joe, me, his two bodyguards, Brian Simpson and Jamie Vernon, young Jamie. Brian and Jamie are his bodyguards. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So, that sounds like a fun ride. Yeah. Yeah. I assume it's just a comics hang in the sky. Yeah. It's yeah. just a continuation. That's After awesome. this show, the green room into the car, talking, talking into the plane, talking, talking. And then, you know, Wow. It's crazy. So, so you do fly home right after the shows? Yeah, we did on that day. That's so cool. For the UFC in Jacksonville, we stayed the night and then we left in the morning. Very cool. What was the UFC fight like? I mean, we saw you on TV. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's My yeah. face? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was like, you know, like Comic-Con. It's like Disneyland. It's like Comic-Con for like... <laughs> You know, Bro idiots. Dudes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brain damaged morons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking rules, man. Uh, what do you think about people beating the shit out of each other right in front of you? It was amazing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like, holy shit. That's them right there. You know, this is going out in the world. This is like meaning. This goes on the record. Yeah. And it's like just people hitting each other. And then you see them fall. And you're like, oh, shit. Like he just got hit really hard in the face. That usually doesn't happen in normal life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, I rarely see people get like just fully smacked yeah. in the face. Like, what is going on? Is he okay? Oh, <laughs> right. This is the UFC. I watch it on TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's different in, in person because you like hear the smacking. And yeah. You're like, oh, that fist just hit his face. Yeah. That thing just flew right at his body. Yeah. Like, those MMA fighters can kick so hard. Like, even if you're holding pads, it hurts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now there's no pads, and you're, like, not looking for it, and it hits you right here. Oof. Have yeah. you held pads before? Yeah. For who? For uh, this guy at AMC Pancration in Kirkland. It's where Mighty Mouse trains. This guy is <laughs> just automatic. He just lifts his foot up, and it's just, bam. You know, like, I was new at it, so he was going light on me, and still it was like, damn, if I didn't have pads... What could I do to stop this? You know, yeah, run. You just, you yeah. Even if I blocked it, like it would still hurt every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy when you start to do like any kind of martial arts training and you 
you go against someone that's had a lot of training, you start to realize like how much you don't know. Yeah. It's like, whoa, he didn't move very much. Now everything hurts. Like, that's, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was better at fighting before I started training. Cause then I started <laughs> training and I'm like, how the fuck have I not got my ass kicked every day? Like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. I still don't. I've been doing all, almost two years. Right. But I feel like it's styles. Like some people can hack other people's brains and they can hit you in a way that they don't expect it. Yeah. Explain. You have been hanging with Joe Rogan. <laughs> Wait, what do you, what like, do you mean by that? Like if someone's just like, you know, like doing this kind of thing and someone's like a wild animal, like some people can hack that and be like, oh, you didn't expect this. Like it's all about mind games. I feel like fighting. Well, it wasn't it. Uh, is it Yoel Romero that knocked out Ben Askren in like three seconds or whatever? Oh, uh, Jorge Masvidal. That's who it was. Yeah, but Masvidal, like, I mean, he read his mind. He was like, he's going to shoot for the legs yeah. right off the bat. Fucking knee, dude. Yeah. Oh, man, that was a wild one, too. Right, like a wrestler can fight against, like, a boxer really well, but, like, a, you know, like someone who has basic takedown defense can, you know, fight against a wrestler, and it's like it, it, the styles yeah. really matter. It doesn't matter who's stronger. Well, I mean, that was one of the things that made the original UFC so fascinating was seeing, I mean, it was kind of like this question of what is the best martial art? Because yeah. I mean, back like I mean, in the original UFCs, they would generally just be trained in one medium. You know, it'd be someone that was like a really good at boxing versus like, like my favorite fight is uh, Gary Goodridge, who's like a uh, one. I think is the martial art, but he's going against this like 400 pound wrestling dude and he puts him in a crucifix and just elbows him in the temple until he's <laughs> unconscious. And it's just like seeing when these like uh, submission based uh, martial arts started to go against striking ones and seeing how that played out. Yeah. Like, now everybody's trained in everything. Yeah. Uh, well, MMA is the superior martial art. Yeah. Just by definition, because it's mixed of all the other ones. Yeah. Takes the best ones. If it's best, then we're gonna incorporate it like a virus. Yeah. <laughs> what? So you've trained some martial arts? Yeah, I did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a little bit. Nice. Yeah. Very. Did cool. some kickboxing. I think as a comedian, we're all required to do a little Jiu-Jitsu, <laughs> right? I mean, I think Joe Rogan had a big influence. Yeah. 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 No and kidding. Chris D'Elia uh, is like a purple or brown belt or something too. Yeah. And there's a few but other... But only against 16-year-old girls. <laughs> <laughs> he does text jitsu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I. Uh, so, would it be safe to say that you follow UFC or you've just been into it because you've been hanging out with Rogan? I followed it. Um, I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast and then I listened, I watched the UFC. So it's been like 10 years of watching it. But yeah, I have fun watching it. You know, I try to take something from it. You can learn from anything, like people playing pool or, so it's like, wow, yeah, there's like games going on and like people, uh, like will and determination. Mm -hmm. it's, it's inherently dramatic. Yeah. Especially if you know the fighters. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That's gotta be uh, like a really surreal experience to have watched so much of the Joe Rogan podcast and then to be opening for him and like talking <laughs> to him as a person. Yeah. Is it, I mean, does it fuck with your brain when you're like, oh, I've heard him talk so much. I mean, he's such an overwhelming presence that you don't have time to be like thinking of other things. You have to think about what he's saying right now. Yeah. Cause he's like staring at you. Like, are you going to say something stupid now, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I imagine that would kick my social anxiety into overdrive. Yeah. Like, I'll have to impress Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna flex the whole time. Yeah, I just some super Asian around him. I'm like, oh, very respectful. <laughs> like, man, Hans's English on stage is incredible. <laughs> Backstage, he sounds retarded. <laughs> I want to give him my dry cleaning for some reason. <laughs> oh man, what so, have you learned about comedy in the last like several months or so? That um, you've just the joy of it, like the never ending process of it. Like he still loves doing it. He still talks about it all the time and it's constantly improving. And it's like, and like the way that he is so forceful, like he's on stage and he's captures the attention of the room in a way that he's saying the most interesting thing. Like no one else mm. can say anything more interesting that everyone wants to hear. And it's just like not being afraid of taking control, like controlling the room doesn't have to be like this, 
toxic thing. It could just be uh, was beneficial for the room too. Yeah, that's man. That's a great point. Um, it, it's cool to hear that someone that's at that level is still working that hard. Yeah, he doesn't have to. Yeah, he's just like a crazy guy who's just like I want to improve at everything, even though it's painful and you know hard and unnecessary to expose yourself to all these idiots heckling and stuff. Sure. What would you say uh, was like the biggest? Because I know the biggest room I've done is six hundred, and that was intimidating at first, and to feel the different reaction times of the room, and to feel where those specific pockets that like you are. I mean, what is doing forty thousand like? Thirteen, fourteen thousand. Fourteen thousand, yeah. Um, it's great. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's still the same thing. It's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like. Man, it's still that one massive, like that massive room is still one crowd and you still have to talk to it and interact with it. If you're just like, oh, whatever, this is just a massive crowd or like it's not real comedy, then they'll be like, oh, like get their feelings hurt and like you lose the intimacy or yeah. you still got to treat it like it's an actual comedy show. That's, yeah, it's like the same thing. That's what shocked me the most is like you're still talking to this audience. Yeah. Is, is there a downside to performing for that many people? um yeah i mean it's just like a lot of weight a lot of pressure you know like i better be saying some shit you don't want to just get up there and be like dogs are weird yeah you want to like yeah. have something that's worth saying yeah yeah i bet that uh make but, me hate my jokes yeah <laughs> like what am i saying yeah <laughs> uh I, I mean it's got to be i mean just crazy to have someone that you can't even make out that they're a person yeah, I have pretty bad vision, but like you know, just someone like in the back of the room is like, "Whoa, that's just like a dot." That <laughs> that's I have the funniest little dot I've ever heard. <laughs> that like I, just, I have to communicate with that dot from up here. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean that's it's an interesting point that that is still just one mass. Yeah, I mean some comedians like it when the lights bright and they can't see the audience, so that mm. they can just perform. But I guess I mean, I yeah. hate that personally. <laughs> I like when the light is too bright and I can't see anybody it throws me out of it because like i'm just relying on sound and i can't look at people well, i was like that? that when i started you hated the light or i didn't want to see people's faces i just wanted mm. to like go into my head and just do my material and practice timing it like on my own accord versus how the audience was feeling and then as i grew i was like oh i need to like interact with them and, and base it off their reaction yeah and now i'd rather like you know I think I just realized this pretty recently that like if I make eye contact with people as I'm telling the jokes, it'll like bring them into it more. Yeah. It's more like you're talking to them. Yeah, definitely. Because even though you're the only one talking, it's still a two way street. You still need feedback from them mm -hmm. in the moment. So it's still a conversation in, in certain aspects. Well, what do they say? It's like 80% of communication is nonverbal. So just because there's not a verbal aspect of their conversation, like you're still in one. Like they're very much expressing like their body like yeah like if everyone just crossed their arms at once you'd be like yeah. i need to get out of here yeah <laughs> that's why cold rooms are bad for comedy people uh, start to do this to fucking warm themselves and uh, then it just like signals to their body that they're closed off to an experience and then you really have to work to get them to ha 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 <laughs> uh, yeah i mean that you could do both i think like you could look at the faces or you could not mm -hmm. I mean, if you get to a certain point where you're like, you know, you're just doing it because you don't want to let them into your head too much. And if there's like one guy that's not enjoying it, then you're going to focus on that. Maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Like, why don't you like me? I must everyone will like me. Yeah. yeah. I just assume they hate everyone. Like, oh, you're just a grump. Yeah. And then I can't watch the rest of the show in case that guy laughs at someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there was a, a guy that came to one of me and Eli's shows in Huntington Beach, and it was a smaller bar show where, I mean, we have a stage light, but you can still just see everybody's face in the crowd. And there was one dude sitting at a high top table, probably about 10 feet from the stage, and he had very focused intention, like the whole time, but never once laughed. And I was like, man, what the fuck is happening? And it bothered me, and, and some of the other comics were bothered by it. And then afterwards... Uh, he came up and was like, hey, man, you guys were hilarious. That was so much fun. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, well, I've been making acid all day, so I'm a little out of it. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's not grumpy. Maybe he's just not there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Yeah, it's good to just make excuses for people that don't laugh at your jokes. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, you gotta focus on the people that are laughing. Yeah. Or not. Or you, I mean, Tony said that like maybe focus on the people that aren't laughing so that you can make your jokes, you know, funny to everybody. Mm-hmm. So it'll kick you into the next gear. So I mean, whatever works, really. Like I just use the audience for whatever I need. If I need encouragement, I look at the people that are laughing. If I need a kick in the ass, I look at the people that aren't. I yeah. Mean, if I need to borrow some money. <laughs> I look at the rich guys. Yeah. So, I mean, you moved to Austin a little over a year ago, right? Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, you've had just, like, a meteoric rise since then. You've been <laughs> right. fucking just crushing it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, that's got to uh, be very validating. Right? Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of Austin. We're all, like, running away from the bullshit in New York and L.A., and making something new without all that gunk and all that bloated bureaucracy of bookers and bringer shows and bullshit. And so, like, yeah, I love that this is, like, just comedy. No corporate interests. No, like, old comedy club that's got its fingers in people and, mm-hmm. you know, predatory bookers. It's just yeah. pure comedy. You know, people here are happy to be here. They escaped from other places. And we're just so happy to be able to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah, Big Laugh's done a lot for that. Yeah. Same with the Sunset guys. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, it's been like a joint effort. Uh, it, there was like that There's a lot of just people. perfect storm of Cap City shutting down from the pandemic and that leaving a vacuum for comedy. And there was no established club. So Big Laugh popped up and started doing Vulcan stuff and the other venues. And then, I mean, there were at one point there was a bar show like every day of the week. Uh, it was like a pretty good and well attended show. I mean, during the pandemic, you know, it was, it was wild. So, I mean, that's a good, I, I don't often think about the escape aspect. Like a lot of people did come here running from something else being so shitty. They didn't want to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, I don't see it as I ran here from LA. I feel that I was in an addiction in LA and I couldn't leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just so addicted to comedy. I, I had, I didn't like LA. I had no other reason to be there. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, I can't do comedy. Why am I here? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't like those cities. That's just mm-hmm. where you have to go because they control. It's like a monopoly. Yeah. We're uh, we're like union busting over here. <laughs> we're yeah. getting out I mean, of I was addicted to New York. I would have never left New York. I would have just been struggling through the mics there until the pandemic happened. Yeah. So you came here from New York? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um I haven't made it up there yet uh, for comedy and I've heard so many good things, but I mean, it, uh, I imagine going back there now would be very different than when you left though. Yeah. The spots that you would be able to do. Right. Well, uh, my buddy just went up there a few weeks ago and he said the city's full of life and it's like back. Yeah. New York is a great city. It's just like got too much finance influence and too much bullshit and mm. too many people that have power for no other reason than to have it. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I, I think it's too, it's outdated. Like we don't need that anymore. Yeah, we can build the that here, and we don't need middlemen. Yeah, decentralized comedy. Yeah, <laughs> comedy is just one person. We don't need that bullshit. You need a Zyrtec? Yeah, no shit, man. I need some meth. Good allergies. Yeah, it's fucking killing me today. It's this time of year, dude. I didn't have any allergies in California. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. I never sneezed out there, and I could buy my weed at a store. that was was really cool the good old days yeah i really hope that that makes its way here yeah a couple years yeah i'm pretty sure it'll happen (laughs) Uh, so what's been your favorite thing about austin besides comedy um the parties yeah with comedians i guess um you know the uh the greenery you know the spaced outness uh, the relaxation, you know, people here are nicer. Mm. Uh, they're still assholes, though. Yeah. <laughs> like driving. Yeah. yeah driving yeah. is crazy here. Yeah. But once they get out of their cars, they're nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect that. That's so funny. It's because they expect you to have a gun, probably. Yeah. They're that going too fast. That was one of the first fast. things I noticed when I moved here. I was like, oh, no one here honks. Probably because everyone has a gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also funny to hear, like, the the spaced outness and greenery like coming here from New York, that makes a lot of sense. It's definitely more spaced out than New York. But then I like one of the things I love about Austin is how small it is. And how it is the, whole, so small. the whole city I can just drive. You drive fifteen minutes you're in the wilderness. Yeah. 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 Which is uh nice. 
Um, the people here are very nice. There's uh, a I lot. I was suspicious of, at first. Yeah, he was. People I were so nice, here. and I'm like, what do they want from me? I was like, oh, they just want to be friends with me? Yeah. They're like, how are you doing, son? Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> just to treat everyone like homeless people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sorry, have a good day. No, no cash. No. <laughs> Get a job. Well, that's what you're doing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <are> you? <laughs> it's kind of annoying where, uh, like, I'll go to a four-way stop, and they'll just look at me. Like, they have to make eye contact. <laughs> They don't just like start going as I'm slowing down. They wait for me to come to a complete stop. Yeah. It's probably because they're racist. <laughs> like, look at him. <laughs> He's going to do something crazy. <laughs> you still got the van? Yeah, I drove it here today. You, you're yeah. living in the van still? No, I have a house, but I don't I, I don't want to buy a car. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I have a car. Yeah. Yeah, you got a sick van. <laughs> yeah, it's big. If uh, I'm not a good enough driver to own a car that big oh yeah that was crazy you have like a yeah you have a car and you won't drive it because like you don't trust yourself that's really it takes a lot of self-awareness it's when i met him he had a student driver like bumper <laughs> sticker and i was like haha that's so funny that you just drive like shit and he's like i don't drive like shit on purpose like, <laughs> i'm just a bad driver i'm legitimately boring people <laughs> like, oh, wow that's so kind that's that is a weird self-awareness it's scary, man. You're just driving these big metal death boxes. I don't know how they work. They're yeah. the number one cause of instant death. It's a horrible way to make everyone travel. Like yeah. we should have better public. Yeah, transit. man. The public transportation here sucks, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into Elon Musk for a second. <laughs> Hyperloop it, dude. I. I mean, I would just be happy if they uh, would do something about the bus routes. I mean, have you been on a bus here? Yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. I mean, it, it, just to get like it, very short distances takes 45 minutes and you have the craziest people with you on the bus. <laughs> really? And and all of the bus stops. I mean, I live in the ghetto because I'm a poor person, but all of the bus stops by me are just homeless camps. So like if you go there to wait, like you have to go through their home. So you're just like, I'm sorry, I'm in your living room waiting for the bus. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll be gone in a minute. As soon as the bus gets here. Is Elon Musk going to buy Twitter? Don't, fucking, I don't, do you know? I don't know. I have no idea. He tried to, and then I don't know what happened after that. I read that they did the uh, poison pill defense. Yeah. Which is like a, a legal tactic that where essentially uh, one of the ways that you can do like a corporate takeover is by buying a percentage of it. And then uh, you make this offer at $50. Like he did. He's 56 90 or whatever it was for the 16 or, or 5420 whatever he did the meme number 420 but he makes the offer at that amount and then he says uh, to the investors like all the board you're only that's the maximum amount you're now going to get for these shares uh and so the other people that valued it at 30 he can then uh like only pay them out at 30 if they split the stock or something like that but they can put in writing that if anybody buys over a specific percentage of the whole uh, company that for each percentage that they buy another percentage is then distributed to the board so that's what the poison pill is so now anytime that elon buys another one percent of the company two percent of that company is then split among the board of investors so now he two percent of the one percent no two percent of the company so anytime so he, he buys can't 1%, possibly buy a hundred correct Huh. So only what is available to him is to buy stuff that gives any time that he buys more, he's losing effectively 2% to the rest of the board. What if he just goes on Robin Hood and just keeps buying more and more every day and then uh, eventually and they can't. don't realize that's it and then illegal. How is it illegal to buy when, stocks? When you are buying a controlling stake in a company, you have to report it to the SEC. Oh, yeah. Sounds yeah, like communism. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way too dumb to know any of the stock stuff. Dude, that was a great explanation. It seems I, like I read it and then I know that fact and now I can explain the fact that I just read and then people are like, Oh, I have further questions. Like, I know nothing else. <laughs> I, read, <laughs> I read one article that I just repeated to you and I have no further information, dude. You're really good at English though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike doesn't know a lot. He's just very good at English. <laughs> You can take all these words and put them together and they make sense. It's crazy. Whoa. <laughs> He's just riffing. Yeah. <laughs> He's just riffing about stocks, dude. 
the dividends and the yeah. buybacks. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that's how I feel with all of the crypto stuff too. I just, I know that it exists Yeah. and I've had people explain to me and I feel like I understand what it is, but I just, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how. I those... just don't think like investing in it this early should matter. Like yeah. I shouldn't have to take a risk like that. If it's the future of money, shouldn't it be better than just buying some random shit and getting rich off of it? It seems like, yeah, it seems corrupt if that's how you get rich off of crypto. Well, I like I talked to some people uh, in like the investment world and they were explaining that when they're doing like retirement portfolios, that even for people that are totally fine with big risky stuff, that it's just not effective for them to buy into crypto at this point, because at any point, if they cashed out, they can be down 60, 80, 150 percent. Right. And it's so volatile that putting something as crucial as retirement on the line for that. If it's the future of money, you would think that would be a little more secure or stable at the very yeah. least. I think when it's like when it actually happens, that it's going to be such a big shift that it's not going to matter what would happen before it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the way this is going is they're going to create a stable coin, a crypto stable coin that you're going to be like mandated to For use. buying horses? <laughs> stable coin? Stable coin, <laughs> stable coin means it's, it's tethered no. to like the, a fiat currency. So it can't be that volatile, but, but it still works on off the blockchain. But that's the thing about fiat currency is that fiat currency is inherently volatile because it's only determined by the rate that, that's made by the Fed. Well, because our currency is no it's less volatile. Standard. That's fiat is less volatile than crypto. Yes, but and it's, you're not going to just have no volatility ever in anything because everything changes and everything moves. Sure, but the volatility of fiat is based on government, which is the whole point of crypto is to take the centralization through a government entity away from financials. So if they tie it to a fiat, they need to figure out a way to tie it to a standard. Well, it's basically rich nerds versus rich evil people. Yeah, I'm on the rich nerds side. <laughs> I, I, I hate rich evil people but that's uh, I mean then you get into the question of morality if you are willing to break the rules you will always beat people that play by the rules exactly so evil people are doing pretty good <laughs> yeah we just have to have a uh, workers revolution and yeah. take back the means of production yeah man so you're in an interesting spot there because you have access to one of the rich <laughs> I'm slowly siphoning money out of yeah, it. Yeah, dude. Hans is doing his part. I'm doing trickle down. <laughs> to take down the bourgeois. <laughs> That's so cool. Hans is just a secret agent on the private play. <laughs> like, I'm taking a little bit of Joe Rogan's money right now. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And then he beheads yeah. you like El Chapo. No. I like Joe Rogan because he made it independently, just doing whatever the fuck he wanted. Like, he isn't controlled by anyone. Yeah. He's, like, no corporation. Like, if Exxon started polluting Lady Bird Lake, you know, CNN, NBC, they can all be bought. But Joe Rogan can't be bought. He's yeah. going to be, like, they're doing that shit. Yeah. He's he's direct. That, I think that that's probably been a, a big key to his success. It's one he, of the, he probably is the best rich person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds right. Because he just... <laughs> He's my favorite. He just says whatever he wants and he tells the truth. Yeah. He has, Elon Musk used to be my favorite rich person. And then he fucked around with everyone's money and I was like, that's not cool. Yeah, that's how you piss off the Jews. What, the Doge <laughs> one? <laughs> you're a Jew. You <laughs> fuck with their money like, we don't like you anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, if you fuck with my money, I'm, I don't like you. Mm, would, this is a little too scary for me. Yeah. <laughs> you're touching my schmeckles, Mr. Musk. <laughs> You mean shekels? <laughs> yeah, shekels a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, that's what Ron Jeremy calls his penis. It's his schmeckle. Uh, it, it used to be hot. Yeah. Well, he, well, now he calls it his sexual assault rifle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was—he's one of the grossest human beings I've ever encountered. You've encountered him? Yeah, I've I've driven him. Me and Eli drove him to porn one time. I wasn't there. To porn? To porn? Yeah, to go shoot. Oh, porn dot com. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just uh, want to be associated. It was to uh, Travelodge in Pico Rivera, California, uh, and we drove him out. I rented a van, so 
I, I'd been in LA for like six months. I won a comedy contest and got a manager through that. And then one day my manager texts in like the management group chat, hey, can anybody drive one of our clients to a shoot today? And I wouldn't do anything. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. And then he texts me and he goes, it's Ron Jeremy. And he's going to do a shoot for work. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I'm driving the most famous penis in the world to work. <laughs> I don't want to take my shitty gross car. <laughs> so I went and I rented a van. <laughs> and I was like, this will look nice. And I remember when I picked him up, they t like my manager told me, like, make sure to tell him to bring his test results and make sure that he showered. And so you have like, to tell this. To... I have to tell Rod Jeremy to shower. So yeah, he's <laughs> like he's not there at all, and he still has a. Flip Is he on though. drugs? No, he's. Just I don't old. think so. I think he's mentioned that he never did drugs. Yeah, he, he's like not. He's anti drugs, but he yeah, has. That's not a good. A lot of the biggest creeps have never done drugs. Yeah, Crystalia, Epstein, Ron <laughs> Jeremy, Trump doesn't drink. Really? Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't that's trust crazy. That at all. Yeah, that's not a good uh, spokesperson for the sober movement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like he had no fun and he got fucked up in old age. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, uh, I, guess, I, I don't know. I, I've met some sober people. I think people that have had like an experience where they've gone out drinking and ruined their lives and then become sober are interesting. Yeah. Uh, but the people that have just like never. Especially when they that, relapse. Yeah, they're very <laughs> interesting when they relapse, and they're very fun to be around. But it's also there's the especially the longer that they've been away from stuff that relapse, like there's always a sense of like they've let themselves down. Yeah. So it makes their benders like spicy. Tinge <laughs> <laughs> like, like, with sadness. Yeah, you're like, oh man, this is fun, and you're crying. Okay. <laughs> you want some more coke? Or <laughs> It's like, I could be crying right now, but I'm not. Yeah. Look dude. how much higher I am than him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, your sadness sucks. Yeah, whenever I feel down, I just go to an AA meeting and I hook one of the guys and get him to relapse. <laughs> <laughs> the thrill. I'm doing all right. <laughs> that would be just like a terrible thing to be into. <laughs> like, what's your fascination? Oh, I get people to relapse. I, just, <laughs> I go to meetings all over with whatever it is. <laughs> Just the traveling the country, predator. going to NA meetings with heroin. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Watch them all die for it. Just throw it in the middle. <laughs> yeah. It would be fun to watch how they reacted. I remember uh, I did like a 12-step program for a while. I thought I had a drug problem. It's the most steps you've ever taken. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Oh. <laughs> Walking into that one counts as my exercise, dude. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was interesting to see there was like a clear divergence of some people were there because they were like, oh, man, I've done too many drugs. My life is fucked. I got to fix it. And then some people were there because they did drugs. They got in trouble with the police. And then the police told them to go there. And so they would like be in the meetings and be like, man, y'all are fucking stupid. Drugs are cool. Like, <laughs> and then you'd have a guy like, I used to suck dick and I ruined my marriage and I just, I just wanted more pills. And he's like, man, you dumb smoke weed. You know, it's, like, it's funny to see the juxtaposition. Like yeah. That. Yeah. I thought I was addicted to drugs. It turned out I just had a lot of free time because <laughs> I've been a lot more busy lately and I don't even think about doing drugs. I'm just, yeah. like, I got to get shit done. Something to do when you're bored. Like if you have no comedy and you're living in West Virginia and trailer, you're like, well, I could just sit here. You know, or I could take off. Yeah. Like yeah, if I had an Oculus, yeah. <laughs> if I had an Oculus and ketamine and no interpersonal skills or goals, I would just be in VR land in multiple ways all the time. Yeah. Your brain is a very precious, you know, organ. Like Thank it you. needs stimulation. <laughs> yeah. If you just let it atrophy, it hates it. It dies. It needs something. Stimulation. It's def that's, that's why we create problems for ourselves. Yeah, I think that's like the weirdest irony of depression is that like you get into a funk and you're like, man, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to like fucking move or talk to people. And then that just makes it worse. You're like, fuck, mm -hmm. I got to do something to, to make this lump of meat work. Well, because the point is you got to fight it. You got to take that depression and realize it's a signal that you're not happy with your life and then make some changes. Yeah, like drugs, do drugs. Right. But Honestly, that's like that does work. I've been depressed and I've gone on an alcohol bender. And I felt 
genuinely fulfilled. <laughs> like, like actually, like. Well, it's just tricking your brain. It's giving it dopamine. It's like, see, the remember happiness. Yeah. And you, then hopefully you choose it. Yeah. yeah and then it kind of like, it kind of like gives me training wheels to get back into sobriety. Like, oh, I just had a great time for the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And it sets me on a good path. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend that to people that are struggling with alcoholism. Yeah. But uh, you're just not as strong as me. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a, a point that I think more people should make in the motivational speaking world is like some people were never meant to be successful. <laughs> you know, like there's some people that should give up. Uh, like the, just everyone has a different ceiling. I think if more people were uh, like aware of that fact. Well, I think people need different goals. Like not everyone can be, you know, like movie stars and rock stars, but yeah. you know, people are good at other things and we got to praise that more instead of just having everyone try to be on TV we yeah. need to praise like, oh, you are good at origami or you're good at video games. You know, like we can, we need everyone. We can't just have everyone being CEOs. We Dude, need that, I, that's, uh, that's a bit I had in my, like my first year of comedy. I gave it up cause it wasn't that funny. It was just a good point. But like, I was like, <laughs> we don't need more CEOs. We need more like entry level workers and bag boys and gardeners and stuff. Like when's yeah. the last time the CEO of Ralph helped you out to your car or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't yeah. have to, he's busy doing CEO stuff. Exactly. But I, it's a good point too. I think that it's further complicated by social media and just the like ability for anyone to go viral. I mean, it, it, there used to be like uh, the noble profession of teaching where it's like, you're never gonna make a lot of money, but you're gonna change these kids' lives and you're gonna have an impact that lasts generations and blah, blah, blah. And now the best thing that can happen for a teacher is they go viral for a dance. And it's just like, oh man, that sucks. Like everything has really turned into how can you monetize and publicize whatever your profession is? You know, it's not the best to be the best marine biologist and go and figure out how to save turtles. It's, can you get a really cool picture of you pulling a straw out of a turtle's nose so that you can get funding? You know, the, everything, the clamor for money, attention and fame has, I mean, it's polluted all the other stuff. I think what it's really about is hierarchies. Hierarchies are inherent in everything beyond humanity, just in uh, all aspects of life and existence. Like, so the uh, best teacher is going to be rewarded? What? Like there's hierarchies in like who makes the most interesting TikToks or where? Just what? who gets the most attention? Yeah. Whose art... Uh, yeah, whose art gets the most attention or is... But most attention well is so subjective. Like, you can train an audience to be uh, giving attention to different things. Exactly. So it doesn't really... It's not really based on who the artist is. Like, I'm not a fan of Justin Bieber, for example, but he has a lot of attention. And you can prove that with the numbers on his following and his bank account. Right. But with a hierarchy comes people at the bottom. There has to be people at the bottom. But a pyramid is more stable than a tower. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think the bottom has to be like, you know, grocery store or like, you know, like uh, pumping gas. I think it could be like, you know, oh, you're good at, you know, learning about underwater basket weaving. And that's a good thing to know. Yeah. Like 14th century Florentine <laughs> poets. Like we shouldn't forget that. We need a part of our society that remembers. There's you know, also many different hierarchies. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. And there's... Uh, one of my favorite concepts I ever learned was this idea of info sponging. Um, the guy that uh, invented Priceline, that like made the uh, ticket counter, he was working in like programming at the time and was trying to figure out how. He, he was in like a line of two hundred people to get his ticket printed at the airport, and then he just asked people like, "Who would pay me a hundred dollars to have their ticket right now and not wait in the line?" And all the people around him were like, "Fuck yeah!" So he went and ended up building that machine. And that was how that it was the fastest company to ever reach a ten billion dollar valuation. The thing at the airport where you check scan in your thing yeah. and it Smoke, out. like yeah, just the check in for your tickets, not having that be a Love person. That thing. But that guy, like his big deal is studying everything, and then just taking from all the different mediums. Uh, and his big example is Steve Jobs took a calligraphy class in college. And then the first computer he made had this really beautiful typeface. And it was the first time attention had ever been given to how the letters look on a screen. And it was only because he'd taken calligraphy. And there's so many other examples of like, if 
you had not done this other artistic and seemingly pointless at the time endeavor, it wouldn't have been able to impact you later. Yeah. So I agree, oh, yeah. Like, you should be. That's my whole thing. Yeah. If we're taking all these little skills I have. If and it's to just like anymore. industrial, it's like, oh, who can make the most toothpaste widgets? Then it's just going to be like a society that's just like boring and not creative. But if we have everyone doing whatever they want, then I think like it can all inform it and make it a better thing overall. Mm-hmm. So you guys are both communists. <laughs> because we like calligraphy. Yeah, I want people to be free to do things without being te- because one of the I mean I think people the- need to suffer. Sure. For other people to be successful. I don't think everyone can be happy. But don't you think America has more suffering than like Scandinavian countries? And that uh, we could be more efficient if we had like a little less wealth inequality and less homeless. Yeah, like yeah. the suffering yeah. doesn't have to be people here. Yeah, it, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we could make others yeah. suffer. Yeah, dude. we could we could eliminate suffering in America and just tank outsource China, <laughs> dude. Let's outsource suffering. That's such a yeah. <laughs> we figured it out. Yeah, like, we're economists. <laughs> <laughs> just torture cows. Yeah. Well, I think like that's no. The, it has to be people. That's the <laughs> inherent issue with capitalism is that while. Uh, having competition does create a better end product that capitalism when unchecked is truly just uh, like a sociopath's playground. Cause I mean, if you have no regard for any consequences or morality and your goal is just to be the top champion and to defeat the competition, then it doesn't matter how great your end product is because it was achieved through suffering. And so like while yeah. that kind of unburdened capitalism creates the best end product, you have to ask at some point, like, at what cost? And if you look at that and the effects it's had across the culture, while our art is amazing, the people that are making it art are doing it in spite of so many other things and, and largely through a family that can support them through their artistic endeavors, uh, benefactors outside of themselves. Now we're getting into a place of GoFundMe and social media being able to diversify where that income is coming from. But if you took away the financial incentive of success and just said, hey, create what your heart desires, you would create a better set of art overall without the consequences of suffering. Oh, yeah. And that's proven because every rich person eventually gets into some form of creative expression. Yeah. You think Seth Rogen was already amazing at clay pots? (laughs) (laughs) What? Jim Carrey with his painting? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. They all got something. Yeah, because once you once you get rid of all the like, oh, I got to pay my bills, I got to do this. Once you're just like, OK, I am me and I don't have to worry about anything. All that's left is creation. Yeah. What and, do I want to do now? What do I want to contribute, leave behind? So if we could just get everyone to that state without McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> then would it be pure or, you know, do you need like to motivate people sometimes? Well, the issue I have with that is that's like saying people shouldn't have guns which i agree with i don't think guns should exist at all but they already do so we have to live with them so it's like not gonna be possible to take down the entire system but like Mm, i think that that's uh we'd have to nuke earth (laughs) let's uh a little extreme (laughs) (laughs) exactly nuke earth i think uh we'd have to do something very extreme to go back to where we're just carving out huts and caves and hunting well i think like human being humans the human species progresses through death you know like the new generation takes over and for us it might seem like impossible that this behemoth of our culture changes but like eventually like we're gonna be replaced like uh you know cancer cells always new so yeah but is it a progression or is it a regression from our beginnings well I think that the greatest offender in uh, like stunting progression has been modern medicine because we used to have much more iterations of death because the average age was lower. But now people live for fucking ever. Like all these old pieces <laughs> of shit just won't die. Mitch McConnell's still alive. Like, that's, <laughs> it's wild. The dude is a turtle. Dick like, Cheney. That's yeah, man. Like if we like stopped saving all these old people and extending the quality of life, then I mean, one, that's something that we've learned. So we got that by people dying for a long time and then we figured out how to be good doctors. But now we have good doctors and we have all these old pieces of shit ruining everything. It's like, it's your turn to die, dude. So like, if we're gonna keep them alive, no more power after 70. 
Dude, I think it's 70. You <laughs> so affected... I'm voting for this guy. Dude, I think it, it's <laughs> 70. Euthanize the elderly and make art. <laughs> yeah, dude. <That's>, uh... <laughs> Except for my grandma. <laughs> yeah. No, man, I don't want my grandma to vote. I love her so much. She's such a sweet lady, but I don't think she should have any say in what's going on outside of her garden. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to <laughs> vote for things that are going to affect past your life expectancy. I want her to pick what everyone's cooking for Thanksgiving, not where the budget's going. You know, <laughs> like she still writes people checks on their birthday that are the amount of years they're turning. Like, I don't want her in charge of the country's finances. Have you heard you of know? inflation? Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Right. So I owe you money now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish she would start giving me Bitcoin. <laughs> 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 my grandma's just like, I got you an NFT for your birthday. <laughs> like, oh God. Dude, I distinctly remember having conversations when I was like 14 smoking weed that like money isn't real. And now there's pictures of monkeys for $500,000. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is even less real. Yeah, that's how it makes sense to us. It's like we watched Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street. It's like, this is how you get rich. Yeah. You fucking buy something early. That has no value, but it's just there to make money for you. Just you just pump it up because value is just based on the market and the market is just people agreeing on a value. So if you just get a bunch right. of people to agree something's valuable, then it's valuable. It's such a middleman. We're like, let's see what people want through the market. Well, you could just see what people want. Like you don't have to go through this elaborate process of financial instruments. You could yeah. just be like, let's just talk to each other. What do we want? Oh, we want a better, you know, water filtration system. Let's get that. Like, we don't have to like wait around for money to tell us. Well, what I mean, we that, want. that's a, that's too small of a sample group, though. But I mean, like, they democratized financial interest with like Indiegogo and Kickstarter, rather than going the conventional route of, all right, I need to convince a board to invest in this or a financial company that's backed by stocks to invest in this. I'm just gonna make the preview of this product and then put it out there, this product or service. I'm like, hey. Do people want this? And then people say, yeah, super want that. They can also freeze your account if they don't like your mission. Yeah. So let's fix that problem. Crypto of... fixes it. All right. Crypto Kickstarter. We fixed <laughs> So crypto Kickstarter, kill the elderly, do art. <laughs> I think we fixed all the world's problems. Dude. This is a really good podcast. Uh, <laughs> wow man i mean i think crypto is uh it's possible it's just like i don't know how it would happen but mm -hmm. i would love it if it was just like just purely democratic like just people without the government involved but i mean ideally the government is controlled by the people but it's controlled by the rich and corporations but yeah you know who's who cares well i think like my struggle with democracy is that um it leaves the future to uh the whim of the average human being yeah and the average human being is a fucking idiot but what choice do we would we rather have some rich person be like this is i don't what want I them either do. i'd say right. and that's where i struggle because like there's people that have uh figured out how to succeed in this system are only going to continue to validate the system when in power right. but people that have managed to succeed in spite of the system I think are the people that you want breaking it down. So you see a lot of, uh, I mean, those stories are championed now when you see people succeed in spite of it. Uh, like that girl swimmer, she won girl swimming in spite of her penis. Like that's, <laughs> what, that's a what a hero. Yeah. It's dragging uh, her down. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever me and Mike get in this topic of making the world better, I, I always say, I think the, the bottom line is just individual accountability and just doing just working on yourself and doing what makes you happy and helping the people around you. Because and I think if every single person does that, <laughs> what? Because you're a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Yeah. I think the answer is through crickets. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's uh, an extension of working on myself. Mm -hmm. So what's uh, outside of uh, the comedy, what's uh, like your biggest passion? Uh, we play ba pick a basketball with the comedians. Yeah. Um, I play settlers of Catan online. So what is that? I've, I'm vaguely familiar that it is a it's very a board intense game. board game. Yeah. Is it, so is it like about resource control or? Yeah. Okay. It's dies. It's just strategy. Um, is yeah. it like Excuse me. money free capitalism? Money free. No, I mean, you're just conquering. It's the resources. There's like, you know, 
trees, which is, you could say it's money. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like a game and like, you're just competing with other people and it's just, so what's the sales pitch mind. on it? If I'm interested in starting, uh, it's just a, something to obsess about. Like yeah. if you want to get obsessed about something with no ads and you just do it, it's like a way to pass the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, it, it's just like something to focus your brain. So it's like when I'm not doing anything, it's just like, well, it was that over there. But like when I'm playing Catan, it's just like, you know, you have a purpose, you have, your mind is focused on something like cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> is that what cocaine does for you? Yeah. It just makes me want more cocaine. <laughs> I need oh, to get more. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More resources. I, I definitely can really, I feel that way, uh, with some video games that I play, like that's how I determine how much I enjoy a video game is like how sucked in my brain truly gets to it. Like League of Legends. I mean, like right off the bat, like playing that game, even though I was terrible at first, it was my first computer game of any kind. It was like a I forget, MOBA, I think is what they call it style. Yeah. But uh, like just it getting so engrossed in all the different ways that the players can interact and the teammate aspect and the map and the terrain. I mean, that's it's nice to have something because that's the other place I get that is on stage. The yeah. only thing that matters is I'm doing comedy right now. There's my words and there's an audience and that's, there's nothing else going on. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's nice to have that release like that. So you do that with Catan? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's like the simplifying of variables and just focusing on what you can control. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good to be in the real world and just like existing and like dealing with the random shit that comes up and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Yeah. You can't only be in the game world. Yeah. That you is, gotta... uh, that was, uh, where I went during the beginning of like the, when they shut everything down and they're like, everybody stay inside. I just fucking got so deep into league I was just <laughs> fucking smoking through like an ounce of fucking weed every couple of days. And just, and then after like a while, you like, you step outside and you're like, Oh fuck man, <laughs> there's a whole world out there. I've been in one room just with me and Uber eats. Like Arr. these graphics are insane. Yeah. <laughs> no, I told you I have terrible vision. The graphics suck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, where can we find you online? DJ Hans Kim, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Hell yeah. And uh, where can people see you coming up? This will come out Saturday. So, um, I'll be in Chicago at Zany's um, in May. And then I'm doing the Detroit Fox Theater in May also. And then Hell Jim yeah. Grand in Vegas. Fuck yeah. Denver next weekend. Oh, sick, man. That's exciting. That's a lot of fun stuff coming up. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Awesome. Mostly with Rogan. Fuck yeah. Real My happy daddy. You, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say? Uh, You know, keep it crispy. Oh, no, that's... <laughs> you made it weird. Fuck, I'm hungry now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Chinks up, hose down. <laughs> What other better way to end it? All right. This has been Giggle Boys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.